Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Now you're going to want to hear this message because it is directly connecting you to destiny. Somebody say connecting to destiny. Tonight I'm going to talk about several things, but the overarching thing, I'm going to talk about covenant. Somebody say covenant. The modern church knows a lot about doctrine of covenant, but not living covenants. God has an idea. God has a strategy. A covenant is when humanity makes a connection to God where God tells them the conditions of a covenant and he says, if you do this, I'll do this. Everybody say, God's covenants, God's covenants. Are, conditional. are conditional. If you fulfill your part of the covenant, you will have blessing. If you fulfill your part of the covenant, you will have what? But if you break the covenant, you will have curses. Say, if you break the covenant, you will have curses. Say, consequences of breaking the covenant. Now, the American church, the Western church, they want to make God like Santa Claus. They find a good thing that God says. And they say, God said it in his word. Favor for you, love for you, grace for you, money for you, wealth for you. Oh, no, no, that's true. But they never tell you the responsibilities. And this generation, they're all about their rights. How many can feel that in the communication on the news that I have a right? I'm marching for my rights. We have a right to carry a sign. This is a sign that declares my right. But in the covenant, God, in the covenant, God balances rights and responsibilities. And if you're demanding more rights than you have responsibility, you break the curse. It's going to come right on you. It's going to come right inside of you. So every single one of you right now, in some way, shape, or form, you are in a covenant with God. When you were born in the earth, there was an implied covenant. I'm the creator. You're the creature. Say, he's the creator. I'm just a creature. And by the nature of him being the creator, he automatically has covenant rights with you. But there comes a time when you have to say, Lord, I want a personal covenant. I want to enter into a personal covenant with you. Every covenant has conditions. Every covenant has conditions. But if I talk more about the rights and less about the responsibility... By not preaching about the responsibility and the conditions, I cause people to break the covenant by ignorance. How many understand that you can break a law of nature by ignorance? There's a law of gravity. All kind of laws. There's laws of diet and health for some of your bodies. You eat the wrong thing, you break the covenant, you're out of balance. And what's going to happen is that you have the side effects of breaking God's law. 
Let me say, too much of anything is going to be toxic. What about love? Too much love can be toxic if it's that sweet syrupy love. See, the church talks about love. I love you. Do you love me enough to circumcise me and whip me and tell me no? That's part of love, too. That's part of love, too. Love is, I want your highest good and best. What is love? What is love? What is love? And so if I'm your father, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you the highest thing that's going to help you on your way. And see, God knows what he's made you for. He knows what he's designed you for. Now, there's five covenants in the Bible that we're going to talk about, Then we're going to center on one. There's the Adamic covenant that God made with Adam when he said, I'm going to bless you and make you in my image and going to cause you to multiply the earth. Then there's the covenant he gave with Noah, then the one he did with Moses, then the one he made with David, and finally, the new covenant. Say, there is a new covenant. The old covenant is real, but it was for those people before Christ. That's why it's called the old covenant. Say, the old covenant has the new covenant concealed, but the new covenant has the old covenant revealed. Somebody say types and shadows. Types and shadows. So because God is trying to communicate eternal things, supernatural things, to plain humans caught in time, space, and matter. How many are saying you're trapped in time, space, and matter? Your body is trapped in time, space, and matter. And so we have a God trying to communicate to you eternal things while you're trapped in time, space, and matter. Say the, say the kingdom of God. Come on, be aggressive. Say the kingdom of God is the message of God. The kingdom of God is the message of God. The house of God is the method of God. The house of God is the method of God. Is the big one. The fathers that follow God are the catalysts for the, everything that God does on the earth. Can God use women? Absolutely. If there's men that are vacant and not there, God will use women to the fullest that he can without that man being there. But let me tell some of you women something. Don't try to be a man. Then you mess everything up. You're shim, part she, part him. Say, don't be a shim. Mama don't need a mustache. Say, mama don't need a mustache. So there's some things that even though you see it could be done, doing it messes up your femininity. We don't need people that say, well, I see, so I'm under. No, 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 no. Sometimes you got to wait. You got to wait till God brings the person or relocates you. But God made fathers a catalyst of everything. Somebody say the natures of the kingdom. Say the natures of the kingdom. Say the kingdom of heaven is nature driven. Say you like that. Say the kingdom of heaven is nature driven. Here are the six natures that God designed. Father, mother nature. Somebody say father nature. 
Mother nature. Brother nature. Sister nature. Son nature. Daughter nature. No matter what God calls you to do, you're going to be in those natures. Then on top of the nature, he gives you your assignment. You know, Pastor David Chisholm is an apostle. But before he's an apostle, he's got to be a father. And before he's got to be a father, he's got to be a man. It is illegal for him to operate anything and not be in the male gender. It's illegal. Kevin, I don't know what I am. I think I'm a woman in a man's body. I think I'm a man in a Hold on a sec. I got a prophetic word for you. Next time you take a shower, look between your legs. Your plumbing is your prophecy. Somebody say your plumbing is your prophecy. Say your plumbing is your prophecy. God didn't put the wrong chromosomes inside of you. Somehow the devil got a hold of you. Well, Kevin, are you homophobic? No, I'm xenophobic. He is here to destroy and pervert God's design. And so what ministry does is to put you back in God's design. Somebody say, put me back in God's design. What's the purpose of buying ice cream if you don't have a freezer? you got to have an appropriate atmosphere to store the very thing that God designed. We were designed to be in apostolic and prophetic churches. I love pastors, love teachers. But the church by nature is an army and it's militant. We're called to conquer. What are we called to do? Come on, say it like Conan the Barbarian. What are we called to do? I can't hear you. What are we called to do? What are we called to do? And you don't do that from a classroom. You do that from an army position. And guys like Pastor Bendet, Pastor Chisholm, and myself, we are an anomaly in the American church. We're offensive. We're abrasive to them. Like, Kevin, you're just too direct. Compared to who? Who are you comparing me to? Pastor Peter Pan? Pastor Mickey Mouse? Compare me to Jesus. Compare me to Moses. Compare me to John the Baptist. Who are you comparing? Well, Kevin, your service is too long compared to who? Who are you comparing me to? Somebody say Kingdom Normal. Come on, scream, Lord, show me kingdom normal. Come on, shout, Lord, show me kingdom normal. So God has designs. And if you're not in God's design, hear me, it's a rhyme, but it's true. If you're not in God's design, you will be out of your mind. God designed certain natures and strategies and methods that we as humans are supposed to live in. And when people get way out of the design and we guys preach the design, somehow you get offended at the design. And you want to redesign everything to accommodate your attitudes. 
Somebody say, glorified father. Glorified mother. Glorified children. Glorified father. Glorified mother. Glorified children. This is God's original plan. Adam and Eve were like God in his image. God expected them to have children and their children be glorified. But you know what we have now? Somebody say, demonized fathers. Demonized mothers. Demonized children. Demonized fathers. Demonized mothers. Demonized children. And so the, the call of the church is to restore. Somebody say, restore. Now here's the issue. What are we restoring? We're restoring you back to the image that we lost in the garden. What image is that? Looks like Jesus. His image and likeness. And so what happens is when you come to church like this, we got to make an assessment of your current condition. Say, we got to make an assessment of your current condition. I want to know about your family history. I want to know about your father, your grandfather, and both sides. Why? I want to see what kind of condition they had in that home, if it was glorified or demonized. Well, Kevin, you're asking too many personal questions as compared to who? What if we went to a doctor and the doctor says, please disrobe? No. Could you tell me where the pain is? No. And then say, you're guilty of malpractice because you didn't heal me. If you don't tell the pastor your history, you'll never know the mystery, which is Jesus Christ in you. Have you got it yet? All right. And so there's an interview process if you're going to be part of a church like this. I want to know what I'm working with. See, if I know that you had a demonized father, then I know what kind of work needs to be accomplished in your life to a degree. And I'm not going to be freaked out when you have some freaking out crazy stuff that happened because I know that you didn't have a good father. How many understand that? See, when you wreck a car, you take it to a repair shop, you ask three questions. When you wreck your car, wreck your automobile, and you take it to a repair shop, they ask three questions. Number one, can it be fixed? How bad is the damage? Everybody say, can it be fixed? Can it be fixed? How bad is the damage? The next thing is, how much is it going to cost? What's the next thing? Third thing is, how long is it going to take? So I'm just telling you as a, as a restorative prophet, when I meet people, after I have an interview, I put them on a plan. I say, oh, they on the five-year plan. Oh, it's going to take five years to even close to normal. Some people on the two-year plan. Some people on the 10-year plan. Some people, they on the never-never plan. You ain't never going to be better. You don't follow instructions. You don't read your Bible. You don't want to submit to authority. Well, Kevin, will I go to heaven? Yes. But you're going to smell like hell all the way. Can you drive a vehicle in Texas in July without an air conditioner? Look at all this. Now you got it. And our, and our ministry is supposed to restore you back to the image. But a lot of people don't even know what the image is supposed to be. So when I say, tell me about you. I, I was talking to a guy at lunch. I said, tell me about your father. You know, he was this way. I tell me about your mother. My mother was always telling me I was a bad son. You're a bad son. You're a bad son. You know what she got? 
I said, well, tell me about your father's father. He's alcoholic. Tell me about your mother's father. He's alcoholic. So she had an alcoholic father. So now she didn't get what she needed. So now she can't give her son what he needed. Everybody say the curse continues. Say the curse continues. That guy's a victim of a family curse. But now that I know it, I can go in there and teach certain truths, have certain attitudes, say, go over here, get this, and he can be restored. But if you don't tell me what's going on in your family life, can I restore you? I can't. And so here's the first place that you got to learn to tell the truth. Say, demonized father, demonized mother, demonized child. You got to be totally honest about your parents and your grandparents or the environment you grew up in. Well, Kevin, that's my dad. I had a lady a couple of months ago. She would tell me about her dad, and I said, well, your dad's not a Christian. And she just kind of hung her head. I said, if your dad died right now, where would your daddy go? She wouldn't say. I said, say my daddy is going to hell. I said, look at me. Say my daddy is going to hell. She goes, I can't. Then I can't help you. Because if we don't know the source of your pain, we can never bring the change. You got daddy issues. You got family issues. And this church is loaded with people with family and daddy issues. Loaded. But thank God you got a pastor you got a mother in the house. You got a team of people. But if you won't be honest, we can't do the kind of surgery in the spirit to make you back to the image. How many get this? And so God has a method for this. Somebody say, fathers are the catalyst. Come on, say, fathers are the catalyst. I always start my interviews by, tell me about your father. If you have trouble talking about your father, you cry when I talk about your father, you won't give me details about your father. I was talking to this one guy a couple of days ago. I said, tell me about your, your grandfather. He said, my dad never talked about his father. Red flags. How bad must your grandfather be that your dad won't even mention his name in his own house? Everybody go, ooh. Had a lady one time, I said, tell me about your father. Well, he's a good guy. I said, I said how's your relationship? She said, it's pretty good. Then I said, how long since you met him? Or you've been around him? She said, 25 years. I said, hold on a second. I asked you how he was doing. She said, good. I said, how's your relationship? You said, good. And I said, how long has it been since you seen him? She said, she goes, well, the last time I saw him, he was doing good. She had an inner narrative She had an inner narrative of a fantasy land relationship so she could live with herself. Let me tell you something. God never stopped telling the intimate, crazy details about his people in the Bible. He didn't hide any of this stuff. David was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He didn't hide any of that stuff. But if you hide your history, you're never going to find God's mystery. Is anybody hearing me? It's getting tight in here right now. Because some of you are thinking about your crazy daddy, your alcoholic daddy, your drug head daddy caught in jail. Come on. 
Mama was crazy. Mama was on crack. Mama was on opium. She was on something. But if I'm not honest about where I grew up, and let me tell you something, legalistic people are just as bad. Matter of fact, if I had to be raised under somebody on drugs or somebody on religion, I would take drugs any day. I really would. Why? Legalism perverts how you see yourself. It's all about doing. You become performance-based. And performance-based people always are shame-based. Everybody say, guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. We got churches in this area, they're shame factories. They're shame, they just make you feel ashamed. You're not good enough. You should ought to be doing this. Hold, hold on a second. Just tell me I'm guilty, but don't tell me I'm perverted. I'm goofed up. God never put shame on his people. Somebody say, God never put shame on, your pe- on his people. He will put guilt on you, but not shame. He said, that was wrong rather than you are wrong. That's a human being. Jesus chapter 18, verse 19. Jesus 18, verse 19. Now, he's talking about fathers. Somebody say, fathers are the catalyst. Come on, say, fathers are the catalyst. He's talking about Abraham. He said, for I have known him in order that he may command his children after him, his household, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham all that he has spoken to him. Now, the word Abraham means exalted father. What does Abraham mean? What does Abraham mean? Why would God take a guy named father to use an example. Everybody go, duh. He's trying to show us his pattern. Fathers are the catalyst. All right? Now, God makes a covenant with every man to be a father. Well, Kevin, I don't have children. You may not have biological children, but you're still supposed to be a father. Fathers are fatherly. What are fathers? Mothers are motherly. What are mothers? You can be past the childbearing. My, my wife is past the childbearing age. If she has a child, it's going to be a miracle. I'm going to go, whoa. But she's very motherly. She'll walk into church and find somebody with a new baby. She says, give me that baby. I'm going to hold that baby. I mean, she holds that baby like she's a football player. I'm going to care. You can't have this baby. And she'll pull one baby down, get another baby. She just, she's, she's, like, she's got that mother thing. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of women in this church who are female, but they're not motherly. There's something wrong with you if you're not motherly. Say, there's something wrong with you if you're not motherly. There's something wrong with you if you're not fatherly. If you're not fatherly. How are you going to have a house with no mothers and fathers? Then you got the institution. All right? Now, I want you to see this. Because God is about to wreck your world. You see, when God sees the earth, he doesn't see Republican or Democrat or black or white or Hispanic or Mexican or Guatemala. You know what he looks? 
people in the covenant and people not in the covenant. What does God look for? I can't hear you. One more time. You know, we have a lot of states that are red or blue, whatever. And so the conservatives said, man, we want to turn this red state blue. Is that blue state? No, blue state red. But there's so many people kind of this kind. How are we going to do it? Get them converted. Get them in the covenant. Convert them to the covenant. Let me just say this. Tonight, I want to make you covenant conscious. What do I want to do tonight? Make us covenant What's my goal tonight? Make us because most of you are not covenant conscious. You're good and bad conscious. You're not covenant conscious. You're good and bad conscious. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Now we're going to talk about Abraham. Look at me. Abraham's name was not always Abraham. It was Abram. Everybody say Abram. Abram. All right, kids, no more noise. Kids. If they won't be quiet, take them outside. We love kids, but we want people to pay attention. Are they okay? Is that all right? Ushers, help me with some of these kids. Somebody say government. government. I'm not going to have you miss the destination that God has because I'm kid draws your attention this way. You understand that? Yeah. Say, Kevin loves children. Kevin loves me. Kevin loves That's why he wants the children outside if they're talking. I want to show you a revelation. And once you get this revelation, it's going to change your destiny every time you read this word. Abram's name meant exalted father. Abraham is the, the name that means father of a multitude. So his name was Abram. His wife's name was Sarai. But after God worked with them, his name was Abraham and Sarah. Everybody go, huh. One more time, say, huh. The name of God, when you pronounce it, it has no vowels. So when you say God's name in Hebrew, it comes out, ha. Everybody, now don't spit on anybody. Go, ha. One more time. One more time. So the name, ha, in Hebrew. So what God did, he so worked in Abraham, he put his name in Abraham's name. Abraham. Say, ha. He wants his nature to be in your nature. Say, Abraham. Say, ha. He put his name literally in Abraham's name. He put his name literally or his nature in her name. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. I want you to see this because God is going to do covenant tonight. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father to many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I made you a father of many nations. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout generations. And this is my covenant you shall keep. Between me and you and your descendants, every male child among you shall be circumcised. Somebody say circumcision. That was an outward sign of an inward work. What is circumcision? And notice the women never got circumcised, just the men, because they're the catalyst. 
man, the worst daddy you can have is an uncircumcised daddy. He doesn't have a covenant with God. That's a metaphor. And you shall be circumcised in your flesh, and your foreskin shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. When he is eight days old, you shall be circumcised every male in your generations who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He that is born in your house and he that is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh, that person shall be cut off from the people who has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As Sarai for your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah to be her name. And I will bless her and give her a son by then, and I will bless her, and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Now here's the question. What is your covenant name? What is your covenant name? The moment Abram made a covenant with God, God made another name for him. Somebody say, the name is in the nature, and the nature is in the name. The name is in the nature, and the nature is in the name. When God prophesies a name on somebody, he said, that's the kind of work I'm going to do in your nature. Many years ago, probably 49 years ago, I got this revelation that God gives you a name. I was hearing this story from this missionary, and there was a lady, and she would just rock in her rocking chair. She was in her 80s. He would just rock in a rocking chair. And she had one of those crackling old people. Like, ah, 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 ah. And she would just be rocking a rocking chair, and she would go, joy, joy, joy. You're such a joy in my heart. Joy, joy, joy. And she was maybe a little senile. I don't know. But her name wasn't Joy. And she said, why do you keep saying Joy? She said, because God renamed me his Joy. And so when I heard that, I said, God, I want to I personalize. How many understand that if you have people that you're connected with, you give them nicknames? Like Chisholm, he calls, he calls me Kev. I call him Chiz. You, know, you have some abbreviation. That's a sign of the relationship. And I said, Lord, I want to know my covenant name. Somebody say, Lord, Lord I want to know, know my covenant name. So about three weeks after that, I was living in an apartment complex right outside of Madrid, Spain. I was in the Air Force. And so every day I would get home at 4.30 from working on the base. And one day I got in the, uh, in the parking lot, and this little girl comes, she's like seven years old. What's your name? I said, it's Kevin. She goes, I like you. She was just like playing, little kid. I said, okay, kid, that's cool. I'm not going to play with you, but nice meeting you. The next day, I come home, same thing. She says, there he is. There's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. I said, little girl, my name is Kevin. Rhymes with heaven. That's where I'm going. Kevin. She goes, okay, bye, Mike. Man, for the next three weeks. And she had a bunch of little, little kids around. Hey, hi, Mike. Every time I pull up, hi, Mike. I mean, just she was nonstop. I said, hold on, hold on a second. I began to say, well, wait a minute. Maybe it's not her. Maybe God is trying to tell me something because it was repetitive. It was just repetitive. 
Then several other things happened with the name Mike. And then I was backpacking through Europe, and I got in this field. I was crossing from one highway to another, and I stepped on a package of cigarettes. Guess what kind of cigarettes they were? St. Michael cigarettes. Like 40 years ago. And they had a picture of Michael the archangel putting a spear through a dragon. And the Lord says, I called you Michael the warrior. He said, that's the nature. I'm going to work inside of you. Now, hold on, hold on a second. Man, the spirit of God, I'm, I mean, God will use anything to communicate with you. I, I got my foot on a cigarette package in the middle of a cornfield. I look at it, and it's a picture, it's a classic picture of Michael the archangel putting a, a, a trident through a, a serpent. He says, son, that's what you're going to be. I'm going to do that inside of you. Man, it gave me direction for my life. It made me not hide from the aggression God put inside of me. It made me know that for me to be aggressive, for me to be aggressive, I wasn't out of the will of God. I submitted to that aggression. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? So when they were talking about barbarians, everybody knows me. I'm super aggressive. You know, they're not gonna, when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, well, Kevin, you weren't serious enough about the gospel. He's not going to say, You're just, you were just too serious, Kevin. You know, your meetings were too long. You cast out too many devils. He's not going to say that. Somebody say, demons don't die. Demons don't die. They just recycle lazy Christians. They just recycle lazy Christians. Come on, say, demons don't die. Demons don't die. They just recycle, they just recycle. Lazy, Christians. lazy Christians. Well, Kevin, can a Christian have a demon? Well, can a Christian have cancer? You can have anything you want to. You can make a choice. You got a free will. All right. So he said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Hear me. I want to make you covenant conscious. What I want to do tonight? What I want to do tonight? God is here to make covenant with every single person and not just saying the sinner's prayer. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a bad person. Come in. My life is over. No, he wants a covenant because he wants a covenant people. So God sees the world through covenant eyes. Somebody say, God sees the world through covenant eyes. And so there's a lot of people here, you're not really in covenant with God because you don't keep his rules. You don't, you don't live right. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven, but God can't bring great blessings on you. God can only bless what looks like him. Somebody say, God can only bless what looks like him. So God is looking for a covenant people. Now here is the metaphor. Somebody say metaphor. metaphor. Say prophetic metaphor. prophetic metaphor. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Revelation 19, verse 7. We're kind of going to work backwards for this. It said, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Say the marriage supper of the lamb. The supper of the lamb. Say the marriage supper, the marriage supper of, the lamb. of the lamb. The nature of God's covenant is husband and wife. We're the bride of Christ. He's the husband. So when you say, God, I want to be in covenant, that means you are going to be metaphorically the bride of Christ. So the best picture 
of the kingdom of God and the earth is marriage. Say the best picture of the kingdom of God in the earth is marriage. He uses it as he uses it as a metaphor. God uses marriage as a metaphor. Where did Jesus perform the first miracle? Why? He was setting in motion the metaphor, I'm called to bring covenant. Marriage is about covenant. You know, when you get married, they have little, many time traditional things have their, uh, do you pledge to be faithful to this woman and avoiding all others? She's the one. And you say, well, I don't know yet. You say, you're not ready for marriage. Or on Thursday and Saturday, I want to meet my old girlfriends, but you got the other five days, honey. God's not going for that. Well, God, I want to be full-time Christian except on Tuesday and on these subjects. You know, they've legalized marijuana in many states now. And we're having a tremendous problem with worship teams and people smoking weed and then coming to church. Now, how can you justify smoking weed? And some of that weed there, man, it's, it's like in the moon, boy. They've, they've made that stuff so toxic and so strong. Okay, Mr. Worship Leader, how do you justify smoking weed and come and play on the stage? Well, I thought I'd get high with the most high. <laughs> the devil is a liar. Say, the mind justifies what the heart has chosen. The mind justifies what the heart has chosen. So God does everything to bring you in covenant and to keep you in covenant. Now, let me just say how it works. God's covenant between you and him is above this church, above your marriage. It's above all. And so if you work in this church, you're working here. If God told you to be here, you're working here so you're in covenant with God. You just happen to be in this church. There's a lot of false loyalty. Many pastors lord over their people and say, you got to serve me. If you serve me, you're serving God. Hold on a second. I have a covenant with God. I don't want to break that covenant. Say, I don't want to break that covenant. So you have to understand something. If you are outside the covenant, you're open to the curse. Say, if I'm outside his covenant, I'm open to the curse. And so if you see it that way, man, it's not about good and bad. And oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for my covenant. I'm going to make sure I'm always in covenant with God. Now, let me tell you this. A lot of you have curses operating in your life. You don't even know it. Say the name of the sin is how the curse gets in. The name of the sin is how the curse gets in. And so the devil will do everything he can to get you to sin, not just to commit the sin so that you will break the curse between you and God. The hedge falls. Now the devil can walk right in your life. Who wants that to happen now? See, we, we have a church that want to hear about sin. Kevin, that's a bummer. We start talking about fornication, lying, cheating, stealing. Come on, talk about the goodness of God. Unicorns, rainbows. Come on, talk about some Holy Ghost Skittles. I make me happy. Somebody say Holy Ghost Skittles. Because if I don't talk about sin, 
The whole reason that Jesus came is for naught. Every problem in the earth, every problem in your marriage, every problem between your kids has a sin root. Well, I, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm looking for the roots of your problem. Tell me about that. Hold a second. Let me save you $150 an hour. Sin! Let's find the sin. See, the devil is a real devil. And he wants to curse you. I'm going to fast forward to the book of Malachi. And it talks about the curse. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4, down to verse 6. Now notice, turn to the last word in the Bible. What's the last word in the Bible? What's the last word in the Old Testament? Curse. What's the last? Some say bad stuff, but say the word curse. What's the last word in the Old Testament? Come on, scream it. What's the last word in the Old Testament? So God has said, because of your unfaithfulness, the unfaithfulness of your ministers, the people, you have brought the nation to a How many believe that America right now is under a curse? How many believe that America is under a curse? Riots in the streets, tremendous storms. Well, Kevin, do you believe in global warming? I believe in global sinning. Every time people sin as a nation... God changed the weather patterns to rebuke them to get them to come back to God. Elijah had 42 months of drought to get their attention. Look up to heaven. And they're about to destroy the economy. Listen, the planet. I want to reach to the television to choke some of these crazy commentators. The planet. We've, we've only got 12 years. Hold on a second. Where is Jesus going to return to when he returns? Where is Jesus going to return to? So he's got to have some place so the earth is not going anywhere, Dumbo. Earth is not in danger. That's a straw man argument to destroy anything that God is making. Should we have ecology and all the Yes. We're to be good stewards of earth, but don't choke the entire economy and everything else under the name of global warming like we're all going to die. The sky is falling. This guy, please. Jesus is coming back to the earth. There's got to be earth to return to. So if you're worried about global warming, that's not the issue. It's global sinning. Look at our crazy government, both parties, nuts. It's like, how do you make these decisions? They're in the dark. Look at the way they say, defund the police. Man, if I could just be in office for 90 days. Oh! Anybody says defund the police, I'd call right now. Put call block on their phone. Police station, put go. Please, no, no 911 for you. Somebody say, no 911 for you. You want to defund me? No 911 for you. You can't have a gun. Please. The criminals got guns. You come to my house, I'm going to blow you up. 
then I pray for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Kevin, do you believe in a death penalty just like Jesus did? I'm not going to warehouse somebody for 50 years. Kill them. You murder some policemen, rape little girls. Over for you. Say it's over for you. Well, Kevin, that's not politically correct, but it's kingdom correct. If I just was 90 days in office, I would never make it because they could do 15 minute search in YouTube. They would disqualify me right away. <laughs> Defund the police. Give people who don't want to work all the money. That's my money. Yeah, the first thing that this current president did, the first bill was to tie foreign aid to abortion. He told all the nation, you won't get any money if you don't kill your own babies. We've killed 60 million people. Don't you think there's a judgment coming? In 2015, President Obama, he rammed it through gay marriage. Now, there's always going to be sin with gay folk. But please don't make it a law. That's a direct attack against mother fathers. Timmy has two mommies. No, Timmy, Timmy has got a whacked house. Oh, but they're so nice. Broken covenant. And so God is saying today I'm breaking the curse. But you can't break something you don't know about. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 down to verse 6. He says, remember the law of Moses. My servant, which I commend him in horror for all of Israel, the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers of the children. He will turn the hearts of the children of the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. A curse is when failure, misery, poverty, chaos enters your world. Any time you see a bunch of people with chaos and drama, know there's a sin there. No peace, no rest. There's a sin operating there. Our high schools are cursed. Our colleges are cursed. America is under the curse. Somebody say, America, because of their disobedience, is under the curse. Now, let me tell you how you can be blessed and not have the curse come to your house. Say, Kevin, I don't want the curse to come to my house. One more time. You disavow. Whenever you see them doing something in the White House or making a decree, say, I disavow. I do not agree with that God. Record my name in heaven. I disavow. And so the devil will not bring a curse for that sin on my house because I disavow it. Well, I never heard something like that. I can show it to you all through the Bible. God always had a remnant people that said, we don't want that. And they had blessing when everybody else had curses. Somebody say, the curse ends where the family begins. The curse ends where the family begins. In the word Hebrew for house, to come into the house means I'm inside the covenant. What does, mean, what does it mean to be inside the house? To come inside. The, what does it mean to be in the house? Anyone remember the story of in Egypt where the Israelites were there? He said, I'm going to bring the 10th plague. 
He says, take a lamb, put blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel came, he said, when I saw the blood on the house, I passed over. Breaking a curse is the Passover. It's the Passover. And there's many of you, you have a generational curse on your family. Daddy crazy, mama crazy. You crazy. It's like, you know, you know, you can always tell crazy people during the third marriage, all, all the women look the same except different bodies. Jezebel Jr. Man, how come I keep making you bad? You're cursed. Tonight, God is saying, I want to make a covenant with all of you. At, at the Ten Commandments, when they gave the Ten Commandments at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, he said, these Ten Commandments, if you keep these ten, it's a covenant between my people. Now, we're in the New Testament, so that's applicable on Christ. He is the law. He is the life. Tonight, God wants to break curses. He wants to break family curses. You heard little Hannah here. She got a curse from her family, from her grandparents, and it came down to her. Somebody say generational demons. Demons stalk family trees. Demons stalk family trees. I got your grandfather, I got your father, now I'm coming after you. And they finally say, well, I guess I'm, they say, you're just like your daddy. And one day he takes the first drink, I'm just like my daddy. You might as well go ahead, you, just, you can't fight it, it's fate, you're just like your daddy. That's a lying demon. Chisholm had curses in his family. And they got broken. Let me tell you why this is important. You're never going to do great things with God for God at Rock City until your allegiance is to the covenant, not to the work. That your allegiance is to the covenant, not just being on stage, not just being a server. All you ushers over here, all you ushers, when you're serving as usher, and that's where God puts you, you're in your covenant position. Somebody say, assume the covenant position. Come on, say, assume the covenant position. See, I'm conscious I'm keeping my covenant with God. So the hedge won't be pulled down. Now, some of you are spooking right now. You're like, oh, my God. Do I have a curse? Probably. Think about your family for a second. Think about the behavior. Who's in jail? Who's got a police record? Who's on drugs? Who rages? Who just crazy? And he goes from this family to this. No, a family of five women, all of them been divorced. That's a curse. That's a curse. And God is saying today, I'm here to break the curse. Come on, just raise your hands. Now, we're going to do some prophetic ministry in a second. My God. My God, Marlene, you had a curse on your family. You had a curse on your family, but it was broken. How do you get a curse? Your choices. How do you break a covenant? Your choices. We're going to break the curse. Say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Today I want to make a new covenant. With my daddy God. I want you to know, Father, I will obey every word you tell me. I want to make a new covenant with you. I want to be right with you. Today, I break every curse in my family tree. Shame, 
fear, mental diseases, self-hatred, suicide, drug abuse, alcoholism, divorce, all medical issues, all spirits of the occult, the spirit of Harry Potter, the spirit of, of Ouija boards and tarot cards, the spirit of horoscope and witchcraft, white witchcraft, black witchcraft, the day of the dead, leave my life, leave my family, now, 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 now. I have a covenant. Come on, shout, I have a covenant with God. And it's been sealed by the blood of Jesus. See, I have a covenant with Almighty God. It's been sealed by the blood of Jesus. I have a covenant with Almighty God. It's been sealed by the covenant of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.